welcome to Trash Teachers. I've got a little bit more of what Lily and I were talking about uh, last time she was over, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of our conversation. If you didn't hear the first half of our conversation, you can of course find it on our website, www.trashteachers.com. And if you don't want to listen to it, don't worry about it. You can just start from here. I do want to take a moment to mention that on this illustrious podcast, mm. we're going to have a very heavy heavy emphasis on special education. I feel like they probably already noticed. Inclusion. And I want to be very explicit about that as well because, like we said, I teach SPED. Rachel is getting endorsed in SPED. Just so you know the framework that we're coming from, we're a couple of weirdos that believe Mm -hmm. in full inclusion. And we know that there are not nearly enough resources in public education today to make Mm -hmm. this a reality. But I will describe to you what full inclusion means. And full inclusion is the idea that when we say all kids deserve the same and the best education, that all really means all. And that doesn't happen until you fully believe that a child who is talented and gifted and labeled as TAG has as much to learn from a kid who uses an alternative communication device and does not communicate verbally, as vice versa, as the kid, as the kid uh, who uses the alternative communication device has to learn from the kid who is talented and gifted. And I believe, and Rachel believes, mm-hmm. that you know to make that happen, a lot more money is required, and we should have a pair of co-teachers in every classroom to make sure that you are meeting that wide spectrum of learning needs of all those students. But until we see classrooms like that, anything that falls short of that, anything that's sheltered, that's not full inclusion. Not so you know we don't like being segregated from individuals who have disabilities, mm-hmm. and you know we see that now that we're both we've become individuals who really want to serve the disability community I think Mm -hmm. we're seeing more in our own lives like how much we are segregated from individuals who experience disability and it starts at the at the uh, k-12 level so the opposite uh is it okay if I explain what the opposite of full inclusion is the opposite of full inclusion is a spectrum of services which is kind of where we are now. Historically speaking, if back in the day your kiddo had an intellectual disability, you would just institutionalize that kiddo and they would just live in a group home or maybe a hospital or some other usually inhumane place because they weren't deemed educatable. Now we don't institutionalize. We don't institutionalize very often, but we do have separate schools for students with disabilities. We have separate classrooms within schools for students with disabilities. Like the behavior room. The behavior room. Yeah, like a self-contained classroom. And it's really hard to explain to somebody who doesn't see that segregation why it's important to have those kids in everybody's Mm -hmm. classrooms because they've been removed from the classroom for so long and we're so used to it Mm -hmm. that people don't even really understand what they're missing out on by excluding all of these amazing and talented people. Right. Honestly, 
that that model of delivering uh, services to kids who need behavior supports comes from a place of, you know, districts in a lot of ways doing the best that they can because mm-hmm. our district, though we do provide, you know, some amazing special education supports mm-hmm. to students, like we don't have the money to have a co-teacher. In every room. Co-teachers yeah. in every classroom. Yeah. So what else are we going to do? Are we going to have the kids who make noises like Scooby? We have, you know, one one student that Rachel and I share in common make cartoon character noises. What do you mean one? We have several yeah, Several. Students. I mean, several, we yeah. have the cartoon noises kid. We also have the dinosaur noises kid. Yeah. Who also does that weird squealing thing. Yeah. And then we have that other student who will just out of no, what seems to me as right. out of nowhere, say, oh my God. Um, and that's not even part of that student's disability that's just who they are as a person (laughs) so i'm sorry to correct you you said one we have several we do we do have several (laughs) and i can see like you know when you're when you're a kiddo that doesn't have a disability and you're in your classroom and maybe you haven't gotten enough sleep because you're living in a a house with too many adults, too many kids for the square footage, and you are just barely keeping it together. Mm-hmm. And then there's a kiddo who has a disability that makes a cartoon noise when you're trying to listen to the teacher's instruction, and you snap on the kid who has a disability. I mm-hmm. mean, that kid with a disability starts like feeling really rejected by their typically developing peers. And sometimes the B room, the behavior room, is like a safer space than the fully inclusive well not the, full, the let me finish I know that I agree with where you're headed <laughs> yes <laughs> you know so I can understand from like from the what we're from able, a surface level from a surface level like that it is like a safe space mm-hmm. for that kid temporarily but it's not good enough like it's in not our ideal enough. in our ideal full inclusion means cartoon noises come on in kid kid who's experiencing homelessness kid come who on comes in from a very affluent family and Come is on in, in every imaginable sport, like into, uh, that that's not full inclusion. Yeah. We have a full inclusion agenda and we're pretty radical about that. Yeah. And you'll be hearing a lot of that on this show. What I just thought of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I just want to wax poetic about this and then we can like yeah. edit it out. I feel like the whole idea of having that safe space and having that behavior room right. is just something that we as humans try to do out in the real world anyway Mm -hmm. but we know that the real world is not a safe happy cozy place Mm -hmm. so we make our own little pockets Mm -hmm. so like why are we creating these weird safe spaces with air quotes for kids with disabilities to like why are we forcing that on them right just and i guess the point they feel cozy like cozy is not helping you learn Right, and I I feel like in the absence of being able to provide Mm co-teachers in every classroom, I think, not wrongly, that, like, if Mm -hmm. kids aren't stigmatized by typically developing peers for having occasional um, big behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, like cussing or making noises or throwing something or crying or sitting under a table, Mm -hmm. that... That you're among a community of peers that doesn't stigmatize that, that you can get back to learning faster. Mm-hmm. But then that does, like, set you up, like you said, for a very segregated life. Yeah. Um, if we had segregated people like we used to, 
would we be friends? Probably not. Like, if you were, because you were a B-room kid, and I was, I was a, a B-room kid. And I was a tag kid. Yeah. So, like, in a complete, like, spectrum of services realm, if we both went to a completely different school mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. so you went to a behavior school and I went mm-hmm. to a talented, gifted school, I would have gone to some rich white person college, which arguably I went to by accident, mm-hmm. and you probably would have gotten a part-time minimum wage job mm-hmm. right out of school. Right. Which now, as adults, your disability that they yeah. tagged you with, yeah. Yeah. the idea that that could ever change your potential to be who you are now or be mm-hmm. a, or for selfishly be part of my life is, like, mm-hmm. really upsetting. Who in the world would I have been friends with that I will never get to know because, as a society, we've blocked them out? What ideas yes. are we missing? Whose voice aren't we hearing? Absolutely. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. I thought that was beautiful. That's why <laughs> in an uncharacteristic moment. <laughs> a precious quiet. moment? A precious moment being quiet and not interrupting you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 90% of our friendship is just interrupting each other. Only 90%? Yeah, I'm just I'm just like sitting here like sad about like all the like oh. people. No, I'm just sitting here like really sad. I know, but about, I mean, you know, I have a lot of I wouldn't say friends, but like social acquaintances um, who have kids that are school age, mm-hmm. and they go to significantly fancier schools than the one that like we, private schools, private schools, but some fancy public okay. schools, and like these. Like, one, so my husband, he used to work for a retail company that sells furniture, and its home base is in a Scandinavian country. <laughs> <laughs> he, his old boss moved to a different city. This boss was, like, really worried because at the time of the transfer, it was, like, right at the end of the school year and she's like well I just don't know am I going to be moving you know at this time or at this time because I have to like decide like am I going to enroll my kid in summer programming here in the town that we live in (laughs) or am I going to have to do it in like a new town that we're moving to and I don't know what like options are available for like different like academic camps or sports leagues that's very that's a very upper middle class concern and this parent you know she's the kind that like spends money to take her kid to places like China because she thinks it's important for him to be exposed to that culturally as a nine or ten year old Mm -hmm. um and if you have the money, I'm not arguing. Okay. Sure. Um, and she would say things like, you know, oh, I feel like really bad for my son because at, you know, this school that, like, he's going to once we move, I don't know if he'll be able to, because I think they are moving to a town that has more money collectively uh, than the town that we have. Oh, okay. Um, and she's like, I just don't know if he's going to have as many opportunities to shine in his class, <laughs> like he does here, and it's like, oh, oh wow! So you want your kid to be better than poorer kids, and I just think, like, I was sitting here feeling sad that kids that are raised in that way don't ever get to like interact with like our kids, mm-hmm. who I think just have so many amazing things about them. Like our kids, like I have a kid who 
gave his good pair of shoes to like a younger sibling and continues to wear shoes that get like get wet when it rains because there's like basically no sole left on these shoes and what Mm -hmm. a gracious heart this this child that I work with has and I feel like how how could anybody think and that you know like the student that I'm talking about that I have he you know experiences disability and is pretty significantly impacted in some ways when it comes to his learning Mm -hmm. but how could this woman's child not help but be positively influenced affected but yeah by a student with such a loving heart and it goes the opposite way I don't want the rich especially the rich kids rich parents like whatever you're grown-ups google it talk to your therapist I'm not worried about your feelings yeah but the rich kids you have as much to offer too because you went to China That's pretty BA. Like, take that to school and share that knowledge and share that information. And why would we withhold that sort of friendship or that sort of social engagement from either parties? Right. And I feel like even just from like a, even from a selfish standpoint, we talk about herd immunity. If you can get a flu vaccine, if your health allows you to Mm -hmm. get a flu vaccine and it's not, it doesn't put you at risk of getting sicker. You help the herd immunity by getting that vaccine. So somebody who is allergic to one of the components in that vaccine, somebody who is older, who can't get the vaccine, somebody who is pregnant Mm -hmm. is less likely of getting sick. So even if you are somebody who doesn't really care about kids who have disabilities. Which also, why are you listening to us if you're that person? But say you you are a fat monster uh, (laughs) who doesn't care about kids who have disabilities. Why wouldn't you want your kid to grow up in a world... Why would you want your kid to grow up in a world full of... Parrot a world full of dummies? Like kids who didn't have the same opportunities that your kid had. Like I would want... I don't have children. You don't have children, Rachel. Sure don't. But uh, we don't want to have children because we want to keep liking the kids that we teach. Um, (laughs) Accurate. uh, But why wouldn't you want your kid to be surrounded when they grow up by brilliant fucking adults who think about things in creative ways? Like why wouldn't you want every kid to be just as smart as your kid? And... Yeah, why wouldn't you want your kid to have all of the possible experiences? Do you know how you walk into a library and you just feel instantly overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Or a craft store, I'm a knitter, so like walking into a yarn store, and you just feel overwhelmed. If you aren't the the type of person to read or craft, like opening up Netflix, and Mm -hmm. just being overwhelmed by all of the possibilities of the cool things that are going to happen to you with whatever you're going to watch or whatever Mm -hmm. you're going to read or whatever you're going to make. Mm -hmm. I want kids to come to school and look at their peers, look at their classroom, look at their curriculum, look at their teachers, look at the administrators, look at their community, and feel slightly overwhelmed and really excited about all of the opportunities. I want them to have access to all of it so that they can make their own choices about which parts suit them. Yes. I don't, and every kid deserves every that. single that's accessible kid. every single kid to every kid no matter mm-hmm. what their disability or socioeconomic status or race or gender identity or any of it so to kind of bring it back to the name trash teachers i would say the more the more transgressive reason maybe why mm-hmm. we picked this name too 
is because we do feel like sometimes society treats our kids like they're trash. And us. Like, like they're throwaway kids. Like, we're throwaway teachers. Yeah. Lily has a neck tattoo, and I grew <laughs> up below the poverty line. So, yes. at some point in both of our lives, we have overtly been treated as trash by society. No, no child is trash, which seems like you wouldn't have to say... Yeah. In 2018, but... Um, but here we are. I talked to a fellow educator this weekend at a zine fest where I was mm-hmm. selling our crash teacher zine. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Five dollars. But she told me, because she was a fellow special educator, she said, like, what other group of students would another would a teacher feel so comfortable saying about, you know, I just really don't want that kind of student in my class. I really feel like that student and other students who are the same as that student in some way, just really bring down the level of what I'm teaching. That just made me physically ill. Like, they're talking about students who experience disabilities as if they're the weird smelly kid. In 2018, even if you are racist but you keep that to yourself, would you feel so empowered to say that? Would you ever say, I don't want a black student in my class? Would you ever say, I don't want a student that speaks Spanish in my class? Would you ever say... I don't want a student who is bigger than an extra large in my class. Yeah. Would you ever say that I don't want girls in my class? You would not (laughs) say any of those things. We work with some truly amazing human beings at our school. Amazing, amazing. No matter what educational setting I've been in, Mm -hmm. I have heard somebody make some sort of remark about not wanting those kids. those kids in my class because they make it so I can't teach the way I want to teach. They can't get so I can't teach the way I've always taught. Um, those kids make me a better teacher. Yes. Like, I have said that from day one. Those kids, whether they be kids who experience disabilities, kids with a different background, kids, what like... Any difference, those kids always make me a better teacher. And I feel like the first time we started recording, I did kind of make it seem like maybe it was only general education teachers who treat students who have disabilities poorly. Mm -hmm. And if I gave that impression, I definitely misspoke Mm -hmm. because I am the only person I know that's a special educator, at least where we work, Mm -hmm. that also experiences disability. Mm-hmm. And Council for Exceptional Children put out a policy paper maybe a year or two ago about how we need more individuals who have disabilities to become special educators because representation matters. Mm-hmm. Just like how we need more teachers of color. Yes. And so people will say shit in front of me like I wasn't one of those kids that they're talking about. Like I wasn't a B-room kid. Yeah. Like I wasn't a kid who had a learning disability, who no matter how many times you would tell me where the bathroom pass was and how I signed out to go to the bathroom, I would never remember. And I'd always just walk out of class Mm -hmm. because I have a hard time remembering systems. I have heard special educators say things like, oh, you know, we won't put this student in this program because that's for our sweet and low kids. That's not for this kind of Kid. I want to. I yeah. So why are you gonna refer to kids as sweet and low to like, dehumanize them? And I think a lot of people come to special education because they think they're doing people with disabilities some kind of favor. 
Mm-hmm. And they don't see them as truly human, and they see it as some sort of missionary work, or they see oh. it, you know, they get to like get the upper hand in any social situation because they are the most socially adjust, the most woke, you know? I was talking to Jeff about the word woke, and Mm. I was like, remember that five minutes whenever it was good to be woke, and now it's, like, annoying to be woke? (laughs) Do you think we've done enough? I'm going to say we've done enough. Wait. We've never done enough. Nobody's done enough. (laughs) You have never done enough. Nobody has ever done enough. We think that it is bullshit when people mm-hmm. say that um, you're more than what you do. No, you're not. We're, you're we're hard worth, on you, listeners, because yeah. we're even harder on ourselves. Accurate. Your worth is only measured by what you offer to society. Yes. Sorry about it. So say, stay trashy. Yeah. Be cool to kids with disabilities. Yes, And please. all kids. Yes. And we'll see you... We'll hear you next time. You'll hear us. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. There's a whole thing that I have to read, too, because if you want to talk to us, make sure you check us out online, www.trashteachers.com. You can email us at trashteachers at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at trashteachers. And we never update our Twitter or our Facebook, but we're there, too, as Trash Teachers. And this is, Lily hasn't heard this part yet. Mm-hmm. You can find our podcast on Google Play. And you know, Rachel, if you didn't want to be in charge of of uh, of officially things, maybe you should have gotten a neck tattoo, <laughs> so nobody trusts you with fucking anything it's except children's lives. <laughs> thank knew? you, thank you, principal who hired me. Yes, you made a great choice. Very good choice. We won't make you embarrassed. I don't want to make these kinds of promises. We can't make any promises. No, but promises. we love you. We love you, and we love our <laughs> listeners. Thank you. Bye. Bye.